Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Convicted killer on the loose. That was a headline. No, I'm not referring to the pandemic, which has not officially been labeled that across the board, the coronavirus, but rather, instead, just a fine fellow who was being held in minimum security down in Alabama. And he was on work release, that is, at a work release facility in Alabama. Well, so what? Well, just this. He was, quote, serving a life sentence without the possibility of parole after being convicted of murder. End quote. Isn't that fascinating? How many times have you seen this? Some monstrous, horrendous destroyer, serial murderer, so on and so forth. And, oh, it would be so wrong to execute them. So we're going to put them in prison for life without the possibility of parole. That'll work. Well, really. It will cost the taxpayers a fortune. It will incur God's wrath, as if we care about that or believe that, for failing to avenge the innocent blood. But this fine fellow, and this is just one drop, not in a bucket, but in a sea (laughs) across this country. Daniel Miner, 43 years of age. His custody level was registered as being, quote, minimum out, end quote, minimum out. The Alabama Department of Corrections describes that as, quote, appropriate for inmates that do not pose a significant risk to self or others and suitable to be assigned off-property work details without the direct supervision of correctional officers. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, but the Alabama Department of Corrections, in their brilliant judgment, they chose to assign him to off-property work detail without direct supervision of correctional officers. Perhaps you recall, if, if you've ever listened to my program, perhaps you recall the case that was a year ago or so, another fine fellow like this, who was in virtually exactly the same situation, a murderer, convicted murderer, and... He was being let go where he wanted and (laughs) uh, attending to grounds maintenance. And he decided to make a break. And he murdered a woman who had high responsibilities at that facility and took her vehicle and crashed it and took another vehicle and crashed it and what have you, and they finally caught him. Then another fellow who had been in virtually identical circumstances kidnapped, raped, and murdered a girl, young woman who lived nearby. But just wonderful. This is life imprisonment without the possibility of parole allowed to work off-site, away from any corrections facility, so-called, without supervision even. 
beyond insane. That's the United States of America, and that's every Western nation, every free nation on the face of the earth, including Latin America, Scandinavia, the European continent, UK, Republic of Ireland, all the rest. Israel, for sure. But, speaking of killers on the loose, the coronavirus. I spoke in the previous program about how Japanese health officials, authorities, had determined that any of those on the quarantined cruise liner that were not displaying symptoms that they were free to go. They were uninfected, declared them uninfected, and released them. One woman, two days later, was (laughs) showing all of the signs and was termed infected. But meanwhile, in sunny, beautiful Italy, they're having a little problem. A little problem. (laughs) They had... Just a few days ago, three reported cases of coronavirus. Now it's more than 200. And this is in the greater Milan, Italy area. And officials there in Italy, they don't know how this happened. They don't know how it got transported to Italy. No. But now it is the epicenter, away from the epicenter, of the largest recognized outbreak beyond Asia, in Italy. Well, Milan, what's the significance of Milan pertaining to this, other than the proximity of Milan to these these reported cases? It is the major city nearest the outbreak, and it happens to be home to Italy's second busiest airport. It has high-speed rail going in all directions, as well as to Rome. (laughs) But dozens of high-speed trains to Rome on a daily basis. So, is there any chance, is there any possibility that this could perhaps spread to all of Italy in a matter of days? Is that possible? Or weeks? It's not a question, really, of whether it's a possibility or even a probability. It is virtual certainty, but then how will the rest of Europe react to that, respond to that? Will they close their borders with Italy? (laughs) Those that abut it, such as France, Switzerland? Well, we will see. But this description I thought was fascinating. It said that the virus can slip onto a new continent, undetected. The virus can slip onto a new continent undetected. In other words, the virus can make its way into territory where there was none of it one day, and then the next, it's there. It can get in. There is this porousness to nations' borders. And certainly we see that in the United States of America, even where Trump's wall has gone up. The organized crime families, cartels, gangs in Mexico are using camouflaged ladders to scale the wall. Camouflaged? What, are they using camo material? No, no. 
No, it's not like camouflage uniforms. No, they're using rebar that is welded together and it blends right in with the walls and they can go up and over the walls. But that's my idea of slipping into a nation or a country or onto a continent, though even though that is not changing continent, that is North America to North America. But once a virus makes its way to a continent where it had not been previously, it can then erupt like Mount Vesuvius. Well, this is a crisis. And I described it as a pandemic weeks, weeks ago. But the World Health Organization described it in terms akin to that in the last week. But it has yet to be fully recognized as being such. But speaking of, speaking of pandemics, pandemics which provide the perfect triggering mechanism for one world government regime. It is the perfect triggering mechanism. It's not the only one. There's, of course, global climate change, global warming, and so forth. But but speaking of pandemics, what about Bernie Sanders? Oh, Bernie Sanders. You know... Approximately 4%, that's right, 4% of the delegates for the Democratic presidential convention have been assigned. Approximately 4%. And Bernie Sanders is running away with it with 40 delegates, last I saw. Well, so he has managed to capture a percentage of 4%, the largest percentage of 4%. And the experts are acting like, oh, no. Oh, my. Can't stop Bernie. You know, it's beyond stopping him. It's too late. Certainly to hear Chris Matthews, one would think that. When I, I'm going to comment on that in a little bit. And I thought his, his comments were both remarkably prescient for Chris Matthews, but at the same time, woefully, ridiculously applied. But, oh well. So Bernie Alinsky Sanders, Jewish independent U.S. Senator from Vermont, from the great state of Vermont. Well, he has come out ahead in Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada. I know, I know, he supposedly was an eyelash behind Pete Sodomite Buttigieg, in Iowa, but in fact, he, Bernie Olinsky Sanders, supposedly garnered larger popular vote. That whole boogaboo. But lo and behold, Bernie. Bernie's the guy. He is unstoppable. Bernie's socialist, activist. Alinsky Sanders. Yes. But again, in terms of the delegates so far assigned from the caucuses in Iowa and Nevada and the primary in New Hampshire constitutes no more than 4% 
of the delegates, the total pledged delegates for the Democrat presidential convention. But the idea that it is a fait accompli already is just just a wee bit ridiculous, shall we say. Yes. But it's fascinating. You know, do you recall after the last presidential election, and it has been a, a steady drumbeat. It goes back to Bush v. Gore and so forth. Let's get rid of the Electoral College. Oh, it's so undemocratic. We need to get rid of it. Throw it out. Just like we need to get rid of paper ballots. Replace them with all computerized systems, all online, <laughs> because that will just be so much more accurate, so much fairer, and so much harder to cheat with. Oh, my. Instead, it has been rife with errors, inaccuracies, gross errors. And it has been hacked and hacked and hacked and gamed. (laughs) All of these newfangled, computerized, high-tech, Online systems, what a leap forward. But interestingly enough, at least to me, is this whole delegate process for the Democrat presidential convention, the Democratic nomination, Democratic Party nomination, is not decided by which candidate garners the most votes. No. But rather, by which candidate or candidates manage to receive the appointment of the greatest number of delegates. And how is that done? Well, fascinatingly enough, the rules are just beyond arcane. They are Machiavellian thoroughly. And so, so far, Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, we have the results. South Carolina is looming large, coming soon, another five days, this coming Saturday, the 29th, but while the first states get all a manner of distorted, disproportionate amount of press, about their importance. Nonetheless, they do carry weight. Remember, again, Joe Obama Biden, he dropped out. He canceled his campaigns the past two times he ran for president after failing abysmally in Iowa. Ridiculous. How could he be so timid? And foolish. And so intimidated by that. How could his top advisors permit that? But he did. But while they have this, dare I say, trumped up sense of importance, these first states, that there are these Democratic caucuses and primaries in, Democrat Party contests. Again, they only provide 4%, approximately 4% of the total delegates, of the pledged delegates. Curiously enough, States which hold their primaries 
after Super Tuesday. They receive inflation to their delegates. They receive additional delegates, a delegate bonus if they hold their primaries after Super Tuesday, which is March 3rd and is coming soon. Just around the corner, just around the bend, the Tuesday following the South Carolina primary is Super Tuesday. And lo and behold, the states which wait and have their primaries after that, they get to have more delegates than they would otherwise. They get to have more say when it comes to tallying up the delegates than they would have had if they had been earlier in the process. But then on the other hand, many, many, many presidential election years, the nomination is already wrapped up by the time it gets to them. So (laughs) there's a trade-off there. But it is so undemocratic. Why is it that XYZ states that hold their primaries after Super Tuesday they get to actually have more delegates than they would have had if they had had their primaries earlier. How is that democratic? Where are the champions of tearing down and doing away with the Electoral College? Where are they? (laughs) They don't have a problem with this, but it's patently undemocratic. But they have such double, triple, quadruple standards. There is such rampant hypocrisy and intellectual dishonesty in mankind and very pervasively in the Democrat Party. But Super Tuesday. It's got big states, powerful states, politically speaking. California, Texas. And is going to have a large say about who the nominee will be. And it's so near, it's so close A week and a half from now, less than a week and a half from now. (laughs) And so that is why this extraordinary reaction from the likes of leftist Chris Matthews. (laughs) Meanwhile, 60%. Six out of ten, 60 out of 100, 60 percent of Democrat presidential delegates will not be assigned until after the March 17th primaries. But it will almost certainly be all but wrapped up before then. How is that democratic? Well, I can't imagine. But Bernie Sanders, he supposedly has built this diverse coalition. This diverse coalition. Yes. 78-year-old socialist. Communist, leftist, Bernie Sanders. What is he dedicated to according to his speechifying, his political stump speeching? What is he promising to the ignorant, unwashed masses? 
the Green New Deal, the Socialist Communist New Deal. That to stop global climate change dead in its tracks. Reforming, they call it reforming, (laughs) destroying, overturning and destroying and gutting the United States immigration laws to turn the entire nation into a sanctuary nation. Not a sanctuary nation for its citizens, a sanctuary for illegal aliens, including vicious, murderous, rapacious destroyers. Hear, hear, Bernie. Packing the Supreme Court with leftist, socialist judges, justices. Whether they be of the communist variety, the fascist variety, just good old Marxists, just give me good old Marxists. Packing the Supreme Court with them. In order to legalize all of the evil things that he's promoting, including, of course, induced abortion. Limitless induced abortion. War against the unborn, the preborn, innocent baby. And, of course, his signature piece de resistance, Medicare for all, socialized medicine, all medical insurance handled by the federal government. That has worked so well in the U.K., hasn't it? That has worked so well in Canada, in all of the former British Empire nations that have embraced it where they have rationed health care, where the government decides whether you can have this procedure or that procedure, even though you have to, according to the doctors, have that procedure or that procedure or receive this medication or this treatment in order not to die in a short time. But the government will decide. Meanwhile... They keep the murderers, the destroyers alive at taxpayer expense and they will let you die instead of receiving medical care. But he has built this magnificently diverse coalition. Just exciting. His coalition consists of whom? Well, it consists of the ignorant young, (laughs) among others, the blinded, subverted young, and those who are desirous that the wealth of the nation should be redistributed to them. Redistribution of the wealth. So very important. So needful, right? It's what you have with communism. It's what you have with fascism. It's what you have with Marxism. Oh, but this, this socialism, this isn't socialism like the socialism of the USSR or of communist China or of Eastern Europe under the USSR, under the Soviet Union, under communist regime of Russia. No, no, no. This is instead a kinder, gentler, enlightened moderated, diluted socialism, which is beneficent and benevolent. Of course it is. 
extraordinary. But Bernie, he's just, he's such a guy. In Nevada, where the Democrat caucuses were just held, he received the votes of 51% of Hispanics. Make that Mexicans. Mexican-Americans and or Mexicans that were permitted to vote. Because, of course, we cannot have, we cannot permit them to be questioned as to whether they are citizens or not. You know, we can't have photo IDs. But he managed to garner the votes of 51% of Mexicans who voted Democrat. Yes. And 65% of those who voted at the caucuses who were under the age of 30. Do you remember back when the voting age was reduced? Do you? Let's reduce it from 21 to 18, from 25 to 21 to 18, and so forth. Let's do that, because that will result in a much more representative democratic process. Will it really? Or is it going to result in a less wise voter base? Oh, they may be energized. They may be excited. They may be enthusiastic. But less mature. Less wise. Now, perhaps you're a fan of Art Linkletter going way back. You know, kids say the darndest things, and he meant little children. Referred to them as kids, but they were little children. Little tots. Boys and girls. And they would, time and again, say the darndest things. They would say things that were surprisingly wise gems. And that normally were not just a result of their thought processes, but influenced by things they had been told by their parents and so forth. Art would have us believe it was just things that the children came up with. And yes, some of the ridiculous things were, but some of the more wise gems were the result of gems from the mouths of babes, and others were a matter of Nuggets of wisdom that were imparted to them by their parents and which they then managed to uh, paraphrase, shall we say. But Bernie Sanders, just a couple quotes from the great man himself. Quote, in Nevada, we have just put together a multi-generational, multi-racial, I don't know why he didn't say multi-sexual, but multi-generational, multi-racial coalition, which is going to not only win in Nevada, it is going to sweep this country. End quote. Meanwhile, he said that in San Antonio, Texas on Saturday. But, quote, we are bringing our people together, our people, his people, Trump's people, you know, from his State of the Union address. Quote, we are bringing our people together, black and white and Latino, Native American, Asian, American, gay and straight. End quote. He put sodomites before those who are not. (laughs) Right? And gay, that just, you know, that is such, such a fine word to use. Of course, The word queer was forbidden decades and decades ago. Hate speech. And yet, the sodomites themselves use it. And they not only use it privately, they use it publicly so that they had to change the title, you know, of the 
lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender group to add a Q at the end, right? For queer. Yes. But it's akin to that racial slur for African Americans, blacks. Again, they can bandy it around all they care to, and that is fine. But if a person that is not black, you know, 2%, 5%, 10%, 15%, whatever black, uses it, they are guilty of hate speech. <laughs> it is such intellectual dishonesty. I've mentioned it before. Oops. Given the time, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good in these programs is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. And whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, that is on me. That is due to me. That is my fault. But back to this speech. It was derogatory if it were used by people that were not of that race. But if it was used by people of that race, that was fine and good and grand. And they could refer to whites, for instance, as white blanks. And that was fine. You know, I mean, where is the honesty here? It's just extraordinary. But dear old Bernie, what a leader. Yeah, he's going to lead this nation right over the edge, over the precipice, into the abyss. Chris Matthews, leftist communicator, commentator, Chris Matthews. Absolute leftist. But <laughs> he, he has come under withering attack after making a comment about Bernie Sanders' campaign. Quote, I was reading last night about the fall of France in the summer of 1940. And the General Reynaud calls up Churchill and says, it's over. And Churchill says, how can that be? You've got the greatest army in Europe. How can it be over? Reynaud said, it's over. End quote. Now, <laughs> Chris Matthews, who is a master of misrepresenting people that he's attacking, a master of it, he does it habitually. He slants and slices and dices and accuses them of saying things they never said. But here he's being attacked because of this. And he is being misrepresented as likening Bernie Sanders to Hitler and the Nazis. Absolute rubbish. Ridiculous. But how fitting that this should happen to Chris. I'm sure his head is absolutely spinning. He cannot imagine what has happened here. How can these people not like me and love me? And how can they not understand? And why are they out to get me and trying to get me fired and so forth? It is hysterical, really. <laughs> just, just too much. Too much. Here, this is... In a very, very, very small way, akin to what happens everywhere that socialism, Marxism takes over in its full blown states of communism or fascism. And that is that every single solitary time. Influential members of academia, influential members of the press, like Chris, 
even influential members of business, business leaders, and so forth, who have actively promoted socialism, Marxism, communism, they are the first to go. They are the first to be purged after they have served their purposes, they are eliminated because they are viewed as being a threat, as posing a threat. But Chris is merely being threatened with being fired from MSNBC. So, But speaking of the diverse coalition, this vast coalition, you know, like... Bush's vast coalition, this vast coalition of Bernie Sanders, in which he drew the votes of 65%, just shy of two-thirds of the votes of all caucus-goers, voters, that were under the age of 30 in Nevada. Reminiscent of Adolf Hitler. (laughs) Hitler said that you reach the young people and pretty soon you've got the world. End quote. Or you reach the young people and pretty soon you've got the United States of America. And shortly thereafter, the world. Because the United States of America is the power that has prevented one world dictatorship, regime, from enslaving the entire world up till now. Since World War II. But another gem from Adolf, quote, This new state will give its youth to no one, but will itself take youth and give to youth its own education and its own upbringing, end quote. Take the youth away from their parents, which the teachers' unions have been working at doing for so very many decades, more much more than a half century. Bernie's success at the moment, his current success, temporary success, whatever it is, it has been made possible by the subverting of the people of the United States of America that has transpired over the past many, many decades. He didn't lay the groundwork. He's just taking advantage of it. But it goes back, back to when he was a babe. Adolf Hitler also said, quote, your child belongs to us Already. What are you? End quote. And as I have mentioned these things before, but dear Adolf, he took over, he seized control of Germany in January 1933. Then he took control of the young people. He closed all of the Christian schools. And he required all youth to go to public schools. Oh, but I thought that was a good thing. (laughs) Right? By 1940, the oldest crop of the young people were in his army. And they continued to fuel his armies. In the next several years. 
But Bernie, of course, he promotes the sodomite agenda, the induced abortion agenda, the illegal immigration agenda, the redistribution of wealth agenda, taking it from these and giving it to those taking it from citizens and giving it to non-citizens. And you think that's not going to bankrupt the nation? Only fools are voting for him. But they have drank the Kool-Aid of Jim Jones, which he gave to his enslaved followers down in Guiana, French Guiana, I believe. But the problem on the Democrat side, and you could say on the Republican side, is who is there to support? Well, anybody that is in the Democrat Party that votes Democrat should know better. But if they knew better, They wouldn't be doing that. They wouldn't be voting Democrat. They wouldn't be in the Democrat Party. I would think, but many of them do know better. But they want worse. I'm speaking particularly of the Democrat Party politicians. But who are the alternatives? Really? You know, I mean, there is Liz Planned Baronhood Warren, Native American, Liz. There is Pete Sodomite Buttigieg. There is Joe Obama Biden. Joe Black like me, a Biden. He's a Biden his time, while Bernie is rolling him over. (laughs) Steamrolling him. Then, of course, there's Amy. Going to club you. (laughs) Klobuchar. Hanging on. And then waiting in the wings, there's mega-billionaire, fellow Jew, Mike Bloomberg, fellow Jew for, for Bernie, Bernie Alinsky Sanders. The single most surprising result for me from the Democrat caucuses was billionaire, California billionaire Tom Steyer's extraordinary failure. He spent a fortune in Nevada. Campaigned heavily in Nevada. Was going to make a great big splash in Nevada. Yeah, it didn't work out, did it? (laughs) I mean, oh, he just... Just did abysmally. And he was one of the ones in the Democrat debate. But poor Tom. Poor, poor Tom. Tom, the great champion of fighting global climate change. And so forth. But he just completely failed. But Bernie Sanders. I've mentioned before that these sanctuary cities and sanctuary states, of which we have a few, that's just for today. Tomorrow it is sanctuary nation, and Bernie Sanders is pushing that hard. That is a cornerstone promise of his. Oh, but his socialism... It is kinder and gentler and beneficent and benevolent. 
It's not odious. No, no, it's not dangerous. No, no, no. Bernie, Bernie. But I've spoken before about what causes civilizations to die. You know, among the major causes that have been linked to the collapse of the Roman Empire, the fall of the Roman Empire, excluding their massive, pervasive depravity, there was the massive immigration by multitudes of people who were not loyal to the Roman Empire, not obedient to the Roman Empire. And in addition to that, wars waged against the Roman Empire from without. Well, dying planets. You know, what causes planets to die? Who can cause planets to die? That is a great mystery. What causes people to die? You know, really, oh, disease. But what causes disease? But what causes civilizations to die? Immorality, moral bankruptcy, rebellion against God. Oh, yes, what does God have to do with it? Rebellion against God. Committing abomination, and I don't mean just individuals within society. I mean abomination being legalized, condoned, rewarded, promoted by the government. This nation has a short time to remain. Let me conclude with this quote. Our republic and its press will rise or fall together. An able, disinterested, public-spirited press with trained intelligence to know the right and courage to do it can preserve that public virtue without which popular government is a sham and a mockery. A cynical, mercenary, demagogic press will produce in time a people as base as itself. The power to mold the future of the republic will be in the hands of the journalists of future generations. End quote. Joseph Pulitzer. You might want to consider that. Chris. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But... Perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.